This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next half hour. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jeff Darge behind the glass. Giving Sarah a very strange look. What's <laughs> just staring at me? We all are. Even the listeners who can't see you are staring at you. No, Luke, I'm used to it from you. Yes. But Jeff, that just kind of hurt me a little bit. He's like, what I, in the hell? I mean, I I knew there was going to be a dance move. I didn't quite expect like a Gangnam style kind of. Someone has to bring the energy today. And so far, it's hey, not either of you. That's First of fair. All, we can hear you. And second of all, you're 100% right so far. <laughs> That's all going to change because we have Phoenix Suns basketball. Sarah, first of all, thank you that for the for the updates, You're which welcome. I desperately needed because I had the situation that I had to get set up here. No worries. And whatever that move was, when you were waving the headphones just, around just your like head. Just like a lasso. It was yeah. pretty simple. No, it was very. It was choreographed and yeah. it was it was delightful. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns a real nice win last night over the Milwaukee Bucks and. You know, just a dramatic down by 12 at halftime. You give up 71 points in the first half. You give up 47 to Giannis. Maybe you don't give up 40. Giannis takes 47 from you. Uh, But Giannis took a shot at the end of the game that made the Suns, at least Devin Booker, pretty comfortable that they were going to be able to pull off the win, and they did. 125-124, Devin Booker 36 and 3 assists. Chris Paul 28.7 assists. And the Suns get it done. Mikael, Mikael Bridges, 15 points. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, real solid game. 14, 8, and 8. I mean, for a guy that wasn't even on the team two months ago. And uh, look, 15 and 9 is, that's a big deal in a normal season. But when you shorten it by 10 games, 15 and 9 puts you in a real good spot one third of the way through the season. And you just beat Milwaukee. And you've won 7 of 8. Right there's different ways to get to 15 and 9 or, or any record. You start the year 7 and 1 and then you're 15 and 9 24 games in. Like all right, <laughs> you're 8 and 8 in your last uh, 16. That's 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 nothing to to write home about, nothing to get excited. But when you start the year 8 and 8 and then you rattle off 7 of your next 8. And Devin Booker's been the leading scorer in four of the last 5 games. I mean, he's he's looking more and more like Devin Booker, which is supposed to happen. We talked about this at the time. Teams take a little while to adjust when Chris Paul comes to town, but it usually works out pretty well for those teams. Chris Paul goes to the playoffs. And so earlier this season, yeah, maybe Devin Booker wasn't having Devin Booker-type games that you would expect. Maybe not being asked to, to, to do quite as much. But uh, last two games, he has 66 points, and he's making big shots, and the Suns are winning games because the difference is Devin Booker is now doing what he has always done, but the rest of the team around him is it's it's there with him. You know, in, in years past it was a one man show. And even if Chris Paul wasn't here, I mean we don't have to really go down this road to this hypothetical because he is here. But even if Chris Paul wasn't here, they were still going to be better this season than they were last year. But having Chris Paul here, that's, that's that is really that's a really nice way to go. And, and I mean, they're down by sixteen in that game last night, and you come back and you beat Milwaukee, and it's it's not like Milwaukee played badly. In fact, the Suns took a lead late. Milwaukee came all the way back. 
Uh, Frank Kaminsky was on with Burns and Gambo today, and he was asked, you know, it's the question that we are all asking. So guys like Kaminsky, guys on the team might be sick of answering it, but it's maybe the most relevant question about this team right now. How much did the bubble help this team? 100%. I mean, it kind of gave us a template of what we could be working towards. Um, You know, it definitely gave us confidence coming into the season. You could see it in the off-season workouts in the summer. Um, I was there the whole summer. And you can kind of tell that we were building and working towards something. And then once we made the the trade for Chris, that's when it all kind of, okay, now's the time. Like, everybody's got to step up. Now's the time we're going for it. And you can see that out there when we're playing. Nobody's taking anything for granted. Um, Everyone's going out and playing hard every single night. And we're all working towards a collective goal. And you can tell we have a good culture about us. And I think that culture started in the bubble. You know, I could sit here and say, oh, yeah, that's because of that. Or that's because of this guy. Or that's because it's a bunch of different things. It's Devin Booker being the rock for this team to build around for the last few years. No matter how many drafts they messed up, they still knew they had Devin Booker to build around. It's Chris Paul coming in here and telling guys like, hey, let's get going. It's what they did in the bubble last year, as Frank Kaminsky saying right there. You go to that bubble, and, and I remember talking about this as they were going in. They were the team that basically had the longest shot. One of the, one of the two teams that had the longest shot to actually make the playoffs. They could have easily been like, man, I don't want to go to the bubble, sit here and just, just fill out games for other playoff-bound teams just so they can figure out where they're playing, and we have to go quarantine and you know live in this, in this Disney bubble. Instead, they go in there and they go 8-0. And they embrace it. That's Monty Williams. In a big way, I think that's Monty. I think a lot of this is Monty Williams. But it certainly helps to have Devin Booker to build around. And uh, in case you forgot that, he reminded you again last night. Let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. We got ASU basketball coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It just feels good to say that about ASU. Stay right here, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It will start right at the conclusion of this show. ASU hosting Oregon tonight. Sun Devils haven't played a game since January 30th. They, of course, had their last three postponed. I mean, that Utah game has been postponed, it feels like, 100 times this season. But uh, they haven't played since January 30th, but they are actually on a two-game winning streak. You know, you, you would look at it and you're like, oh yeah, ASU still got games, and they're six and eight. You know, six and eight. It's it's the middle of February, and the Sun Devils have played 14 games. That to me is is more of a more symbolic of this season than than their sub 500 record. Although the sub 500 record is pretty disappointing too. But uh, but they have won their last two over Stanford on January 30th and over Cal on January 28th. Oregon is a pretty tough opponent, although. ASU talent-wise really should be able to to hang with or beat anybody in this conference. There's a couple teams, unfortunately, U of A is one of them where they it's just not a great matchup I don't think this year. But in general, it's not like the Pac-12 is some sort of super conference and uh Oregon's very beatable for ASU. Biggest issue for the Sun Devils, can you go out there and actually play the game? And then can you play like a team? And Oregon's had a bunch of games postponed lately too. They're 10 and 4. And they've had uh, six of their last nine postponed. So they've at least played a lot more recently. Uh, over the weekend on Saturday, they beat Washington. But prior to that, they hadn't won since January 9th because they'd only played three games since January 9th. Uh, on to the All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game, which 
I'll stay consistent in this. I don't really love the idea of getting all the best players together in one spot right now when things are so up in the air and there are games being postponed. I'm I'm more about let's uh, let's play the season because this is a pretty compelling season, especially here in the Valley now where the Suns are looking like a uh, maybe not top-tier team, but like right there, second tier. So I don't want a bunch of guys going to the All-Star game and then the league has to wait two weeks because there's you know, some issue or whatever. But that's that aside... If there is going to be an all-star game, Devin Booker right now, sixth in uh, Western Conference voting for guards. Chris Paul is seventh. The guys in front of them, John Morant is five. Donovan Mitchell, who's been on an absolute tear, is uh, is number four. He started really – Donovan Mitchell couldn't like hit a shot the first, I don't know, week and a half of the season. And now I'm not sure he's missed one since. Damian Lillard is third, Luka Doncic second, Steph Curry is first. Uh, you know, I, I might take some issue with the order of those guys, but I'm fine with those guys being top five. I do think Devin Booker is playing well enough to be top five, though, too. Where it gets weird is after Chris Paul, and you kind of remember, like, oh, yeah, we're letting we're letting people just vote based on popularity because um, Clay Thompson is eighth. He's out for the year and hasn't played a game. And Alex Caruso is tenth, and he's Alex Caruso. But either way. Devin Booker is 6th, Chris Paul is 7th, and uh, you know, Chris Paul's been to a ton of All-Star games, Devin Booker's only been to the one last year, he's been deserving in the past, and Monty Williams had a good quote, and I'll have it right here in front of me now so I can't play it for you, but he essentially said, look, in years past, the knock on Booker has been his team's not winning, well, team's winning now, and uh, finally, uh, sticking with the NBA, just a quick note, the Toronto Raptors are going to finish out their season in Tampa Bay. Yes, everybody has made this joke, but uh, smart move. <laughs> because if you look at what's happened, Tampa Bay sports teams over the last year, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup and they have a boat parade. The Buccaneers win the Super Bowl and they have a boat parade. The Rays could have won the World Series if they hadn't pulled Blake Snell out for no reason against the Dodgers. But either way, they got to the World Series. And uh, man, why not? Tampa Bay doesn't have an NBA team. Raptors maybe just going to hang out and see if that can uh, can work for them. They got some work to do. But, uh, but either way, that's... Uh, that's that is your rapid reaction. We're going to come back and talk some football next. Who could the Cardinals realistically be targeting this offseason? It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final segment of the show. It feels weird to say that since we just started 15 minutes ago. But we've got ASU basketball, and we haven't had a lot of ASU basketball this season. So I'm happy to step aside at the bottom of the hour for pregame coverage to begin. I want to talk a bunch of football here. We might not be able to get to all of this. But I'll start with a story on Cardswire looking at six potentially inexpensive free agent candidates for the Cardinals. It's the title of the article. And uh, they're going through, look, these, these are going to be guys that are a little there's going to be some questions here obviously if you're, if you're getting a bargain in free agency these um there's there's some red flags with them but this is where Steve Kime shines we we're talking about this the other day uh with Gambo you know you, you look at, at at how the Cardinals have drafted over the years with Steve Kime there's some good picks in there like people people just assume every pick was bad Buda Baker in the second round is a pretty good pick but there's a lot of misses and and there's too many misses but when you look at the Cardinals going out and getting guys off the scrap heap or guys that are kind of like forgotten about or you know bouncing around teams or whatever and you know some people think oh maybe they're already done and you know, Steve Kime is really good at that 
So something like this, even if it's not one of these names, is absolutely something that the Cardinals could could do this offseason. Two of the names that stand out are John Ross, the wide receiver from Cincinnati, who hasn't done much in the NFL. If you remember him from college, though, at the University of Washington, just an absolute burner. I don't know that he makes that much sense. I mean, these are all low-risk guys. The Cardinals have a burner on the team, and Andy Isabella, they just can't get him involved or he can't, you know, he can't get himself involved, however you want to look at it. Uh, but the other name that, that was kind of sparked some some discussion is Marlon Mack, the Colts running back, who's not going to be a Colts running back next year. If he is, he's going to be buried on the depth chart behind uh, behind their rookie running back, Taylor, that they brought in and who had, and finished the year on, a, on an absolute tear. Marlon Mack, the reason that he would be cheap is because he's coming off an Achilles injury, but he's a pretty good running back. Over 1,000 yards in 2019, looked really good in very limited action this season. The Colts, they tend to go running back by committee. That's that's going to change now. But you know, the bigger picture, whether it's Mack or not, it's... I think it's it's pretty likely the Cardinals make a change at running back unless Kenyon Drake decides, hey, this is where I want to be. I'll just take less money to be here. I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to get what he got here this season from the Cardinals anywhere else anyway. But another team may be willing to offer him more than the Cardinals are. And honestly, if that happens, that might not even be the Cardinals making a statement that they don't like Drake. It's just they're going to be they're going to be up against it with the cap. They're a, a pretty pretty weird team to look at right now because you look and you say, well, they got a bunch of cap space. <laughs> they got to sign everybody. They don't have a full team. They don't have anywhere close to a full team. So that's certainly an avenue that I'm sure they're going to pursue this offseason is trying to find some of these cheap free agents if you just decide, hey, let's get a bunch of guys into camp and hopefully some of them pop. Or you can go the other way and say, okay, we've got like three or four guys that we can either bring in or re-sign like Patrick Peterson and Hassan Reddick. But if you do it that way... And you have the holes that the Cardinals have right now, and also the expectations the Cardinals have right now. Well, you can't miss. So uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But uh, based on on past history, Steve Kime likes to likes to do a little bargain hunting, and sometimes that works out pretty well for the Cardinals. Uh, also, sticking with the NFL, ESPN has their bold NFL offseason predictions for all 32 teams. And for the Cardinals, they have that they will not re-sign Patrick Peterson. I was looking at their list the other day where they did the top 50 free agents and uh, and, and who they saw as the best fit for each team. And they had Peterson leaving there, too, I believe, to go to Vegas. But I didn't even care so much about that because that's all just kind of subjective predictions and everything. But what's interesting is their list of the top free agents this offseason, they had Peterson... They have him 31 overall, but they had him third among cornerbacks, and and he wasn't that far behind the other two. Like the other two guys were in in the I think 26 and 28. Just goes back to the same thing. Look, the relationship between Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals may may be about to end, but you better have a plan B, and it better be a good one because we have talked so long on these airwaves about. How can the Cardinals find a corner opposite Patrick Peterson? And if they let Patrick Peterson walk, that's fine. I'm not saying it's the wrong move unless you don't have a backup plan because then you're looking for a corner opposite the corner opposite Patrick Peterson. That's not going to work in a division with Russell Wilson 
and Matthew Stafford and whoever the 49ers run out there at quarterback. So I guess sticking with that, the 49ers in the same article says the, uh, the 49ers will draft a quarterback sometime in the first three rounds to push and provide depth behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, I hope the 49ers go that way. San Francisco is going to be better next season simply because they're going to have a healthy Nick Bosa and a healthy George Kittle, and, you know, at least to start the year. Who knows how the season plays out? But they were one of the most beat-up teams in the NFL, and they didn't even have a home. I mean, they were playing here for half the season. So San Francisco, in theory, should be better next year, even if it's just Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. But if they, if they upgrade at quarterback, that's, to me, the scariest part of this Cardinals offseason is what happens if the 49ers significantly upgrade a quarterback. But put a pin in that for a second. Back to Patrick Peterson. If you're not going to bring him back, you better have a very strong path that you're going down because you're definitely in a division with Russell Wilson. Even if that relationship falls apart in Seattle, he's going to be there this year. Matthew Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo or better. Uh, ESPN also did a thing where it was bold. Um, well, they did bold predictions for every team. They also did experts predicting Super Bowl winner, uh, interesting teams, and more. And the one question they asked nine different uh, writers and analysts around the league, the one that stands out, obviously, still, is where will Deshaun Watson be playing in 2021? And the only reason I really care from the Cardinals' perspective is a couple of the people on here, Jason Reed from the uh, Undefeated, and Kevin Seifert, National NFL writer, both said the 49ers. And to me, that is the nightmare scenario for the Cardinals this offseason. If you lose Hassan Reddick, if you lose Patrick Peterson, if you know, even if you sign the wrong guy, none of that is as bad as if Deshaun Watson ends up on the 49ers. And they paint the picture here that I'm not even going to read it because you can paint the picture in your own mind. Putting Deshaun Watson with Kyle Shanahan, not great for everybody else in the division. And that division's already too ridiculous as it is. Back to the NBA, Michael Wilbon, who of course wrote the story on <laughs> Sarah's still doing the dance. I didn't realize you were still here. That's that is commitment. Um, I'm going to leave before you. This is remarkable. Uh, I stayed just to throw you just, off, just to do that. Well, it worked. My it plan worked. worked. Thank you. Nice, nice job. Uh, Michael Wilbon was on with Bickley and Murata today. He of course wrote the ESPN cover story on Devin Booker. He narrated the video. If you if you didn't if you're not inclined to read, fine. But you should check out the video. The video is about six and a half minutes. It's pretty good. Uh, even if you feel like you know everything there already is to know about Devin Booker, fine. Relive it with the rest of the nation. But if you don't, maybe you'll learn something. Who knows? But uh, Wilbon is on with Bickley and Murata today. And pretty good timing for that piece to come out. And then the Suns to go out there and beat Giannis and the Bucks last night. And Mike Wilbon says, yeah, you know what? This, uh, this Suns team looks playoff bound. They're playing seven out of eight. Um, they had that stoppage where they didn't have a game in a week, and that threw them off for a couple of games. But they look good, man. They look uh, – playoff basketball should be returning to the Valley for the first time in, what, 11 years? Yeah, and, and if you don't know a whole lot about Mike Wilbon, I mean, I think probably most people do. But, uh, you know, he works – obviously PTI and ESPN works out in, uh, in D.C., but, uh, but, but is here. He's, he's a Valley guy a good chunk of the time. So, you know – he 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 pays attention to the Suns. He has uh, he has seen the struggles that they've had for the last decade. I don't think I don't think anybody disagrees with him right now. This looks like a playoff team. This would be a huge disappointment if they missed the playoffs. As I keep saying, they should be a top six team in the Western Conference. Get in there, 
don't face the Lakers in the first round. Not like I don't want to see them play the Lakers. Do it in the second or the third round or whatever. But uh, for this year, just get in there legitimately be in a playoff spot. Um, more from Mike Wilbon here real quick, talking about what he learned from his piece, how much Devin Booker wanted Chris Paul here. Devin Booker understood what he didn't know, and he does now. Yeah, uh-huh. He does now. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, Eddie Johnson, Eddie said to me at one point, he said, Devin Booker, when you're talking to him, unlike most other young players, he never walks away. He never just turns or picks up his phone. He doesn't do any of that. He grabs onto what you're saying. And I've, I have found that. You know, he always wants to hear another story about something that happened 20 years ago. He always wants to know about a player that he didn't quite know well enough when he was 8 or 10. And that, that kind of guy, that's rare, especially in today's everything. I don't just mean basketball player. Today's generations. Yeah. So I, I find him very easy to root for. In part because he couldn't wait till Chris Paul got here. Couldn't yeah. wait. Yeah. Was hoping the deal got done. And so, any, if anybody says anything else that you hear, I'm I'm here to tell you that ain't the case. Because I was with both of them when this whole thing was going down. Yeah. Look, doesn't that just fit with a what we've already known? But b, you know, how many times have we heard this narrative? And I think pretty consistently from the outside that Devin Booker wanted out of Phoenix. And, it, you know, locally we had the fears of like, okay, this team has they're winning 20 games a year, 22 games a year. At some point, Devin Booker's going to want out. All his buddies are, are teaming up in Minnesota or wherever. I understand the logic behind it and, and the sort of like, ugh. But we never, ever once heard it from Devin Booker. We didn't hear it from like Devin Booker's best friend that he kind of like leaked it over to him. We didn't, Devin Booker never subtweeted it and none of that. All the speculation about Devin Booker not wanting to be here had nothing to do with Devin Booker. The only reason I bring that up now is because it really does fit with his personality and what Mike Wilbon's talking about right there. You bring in Chris Paul, it's not like, I don't want this guy here. This is my team. It's, this is my team. I need this guy here. This is the right move for my team. That, that sort of personality, that character trait's a reason why the Suns are, it's a major reason why they're doing so well right now. All right, it's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Jeff Darge behind the glass. Thanks to Sarah Cazell for the updates. I'm Luke Lipinski. Sun Devils Ducks next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.